for this church. Amen. Well, last weekend, I stood before you and I told you about a, a conversation I had with God about you and about this church. I asked the Lord this question. I, I said, Lord, what is your dream for Life City? And he answered by giving me four things. And I'm going to call them keys, four keys. What does a key do? Open doors, unlock stuff, right? Gives you access to things. The reason I feel that these things are keys is because uh, when used properly, they are going to attach us and align us with his purpose. Everyone say his purpose. But they also unlock a dimension to his perfect will and to his power that we truly need active in this city and in our life. And so today, if you will give me the time, and I'm going to try not to take as much time as I took last week, <laughs> and, um, but if you'll give me the time, and I, I'm just going to say this, God moved tremendously in this place last week. Last Sunday morning, God moved in this place, and, and God spoke to us, and, and, and I believe there was a stirring and there was a changing. I know there was because God's already begun altering things that were, that are no longer. Amen. I'm going to tell you about one of those things or a couple of those things a little bit later on. Um, but uh, they unlock a dimension to his power that we need. The key one that I told you that God's dream for you in this church, key one was prayer. Key two was a place to pour his spirit out. Key three was making disciples. And key four was worship. And so I thought I had spoken the entirety of that message. But as I sat in my living room, spending time with my family on Sunday afternoon, and then on Monday throughout the day, God began to just make deposits. And he began to put things in my spirit. And I said, Lord, I thought I, thought I emptied myself of that. And he said, ah, that was just the beginning. And he said, I have, and he began to expound on some things. And I just, I, I, I stepped back and I thought, okay, Lord. And, and he began to, to specifically tell me what I need to tell you. Because what I'm going to tell you is a key to unlock things, power, and dimensions in God that you have never experienced before. There is going to be an unlocking of some things that are going to bring to pass prayers that you have prayed for years. There is going to be a dimension of His power and a dimension of His Spirit that you didn't even think existed, and He's going to usher you in through these keys, and He's going to show and reveal Himself to you like you've never seen Him before. Amen. Because I'm in the process of going through what I'm telling you today. So it's not just for you. It's He's already doing it in me. And, I, and what I'm preaching to you today is things that I'm already starting to practice, and I'm seeing what He's doing. So I don't stand here as somebody that just heard something. I'm standing here as somebody that has been an eyewitness to what this is going to unlock in your life. And I'm telling you, if you'll, if you'll follow what I'm saying here, God will unlock some incredible things in your life. Amen. Who wants to know God a little bit deeper? Who wants to see him in a new light? Amen. And so I asked him, I said, all right, Lord, what else do you want me to say? 
and he began to tell me. And I, and I, I wrote this down. Why is his dream so important? Well, God's dream for your life is so important because his purpose is fulfilled when we step into and begin to live out his dream. That's why it's important. His dream can be called his vision or his plan. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. Look at somebody and tell them he has a plan for you. You are not just created to exist. You are created for a purpose. And when God had you in his mind, before you ever uh, were, 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 were began to grow in your mother's womb, before you ever were born and you saw the light of day, before you ever breathed your first breath on this earth, God said, I have you in my mind, and I have a plan for you, and I have a purpose for you, and it's not to just exist, and it's not to just feel pain and, and, and feel success. He said, I have a purpose for you that's going to impact heaven. I have a plan for you that's going to impact people, and he wants to make sure that we step into that plan, and that's his dream for your life. Did you ever think God had a dream for you? Amen. But at some point, we have to let go of our dreams so that we can step into his dream. How many have dreams? We all have dreams, right? I have a dream. Uh, I've had dreams uh, since I was a kid. I wanted to you know, be a baseball player. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. I wanted to be a baseball player, um, and it didn't pan out. But, and then, you know, my dream changed. Well, if I'm not going to be a baseball player, I guess I'll be this. Well, and so I have all these dreams, but I realized it's not about my dreams. It's about his dreams, his purpose. And so why is his purpose so important? Well, the reason his purpose is so important is because his power is released and revealed through his purpose. When we step into alignment with his purpose, it is a, a, an open conduit that allows his power to flow in my life. Amen. Have you ever tried to water your yard or a tree or a garden and the hose is kinked? It doesn't work right, does it? Why? Because there's, an, uh, there's a block in the flow of water. When we get out of his purpose, it's like kinking the water hose of his power. And we start wondering, why do I not feel his power? It's because you're not in his purpose. And when I'm not in his purpose, it disrupts the flow of everything in our life. And so the fastest way to get that kink out of the hose is to step into his dream for my life, to step into his plans for my life. And that aligns me with his purpose. And when I'm aligned with his purpose, that power flows freely. His spirit flows freely. Promises and blessings and, and, e and equipping flows freely from his throne room. When I step in and I'm in line and aligned with his purpose for my life. You say, what's his purpose for my life? Well, that's what we're talking about. So it's a good thing you're here today. I made the statement last week, and this is what I want you to hold on to. His dream fulfills his purpose. 
which releases his power. His dream fulfills his purpose, which releases his power. And so the first key for this church to walk in a deeper dimension of his power is prayer. Prayer. Look at somebody and say prayer. Ask him, when's the last time you prayed? Oh, I asked God to help me out a little bit with this topic of prayer because prayer is kind of a monstrous topic. You can go a million different directions with prayer. Um, and as I asked for clarification, he spoke a part of a verse to me. And I'm going to read from James chapter 5 this morning. And um, I'm going to cover some verses and then, and then uh, you'll see where I'm going here. Uh, this is in the English Standard Version. He said, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Everyone say pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That's why we do this, okay? That verse right there is why we do this. It's not traditional, it's biblical. It's a biblical principle. Uh, what is this oil? It's a representation of his anointing. It's a representation of his power and his spirit. Amen. There is no, this is oil, and this oil come from Israel. And uh, Joanne brought this to me, and I appreciate that. But in all reality, this is just oil. Amen. The power is in the name. The power flows when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. That's where the power comes from. It doesn't come uh, uh, from the oil necessarily. So he said, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Turn to the person beside you and tell them your deepest, darkest sin. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. This ain't that service. This ain't that service. We'd be here a minute. <laughs> just playing. <laughs> Somebody like, he lost his mind. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Why? And this is what God spoke. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. The King James Version says it this way, and I like the way the King James Version says it. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual, fervent prayer. Those two words, effectual and fervent, are actually translated from a single Greek word, energeo. And energeo is uh, very closely related to our word for energy. So generally speaking, it conveys the idea of energizing something. And it's very similar to an electrical current that brings energy and power to a circuit. When that circuit is energized, power flows from that circuit. And so when it is applied to this scripture and it's applied to this passage, what it suggests is a type of prayer that is passionate. 
Ever prayed that kind of prayer? It's the kind of prayer that is heartfelt, even almost heated. In, in Scripture, there's times where the word used for prayer can actually mean a wrestling or a tussling. It's a persistent prayer. And that verse in the Amplified Bible says this, and I like the way it words this. The earnest, heartfelt, continual prayer. That backs up the verse that says pray without ceasing. It's talking about being in the spirit of prayer, remaining in the spirit of prayer, not walking through your day all day, every day, actually vocally praying, but remaining in the spirit of prayer. And it says the continual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That's what prayer does. That's what fervent prayer does. There are dimensions of God and his power that are obtainable to us by the operation and the action of steady, consistent, fervent prayer. I'm not talking about prayer that you pray right before you walk out the door. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about Lord bless this food to my body. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that that moves you. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that can only happen when you get alone with God and it's just you and him and, and you pour yourself out to him. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that causes and stirs every emotion and every sin that you have in your body. It stirs you and it moves you. That's the kind of prayer that ushers us in. That's the kind of prayer that is a key that unlocks the door to a deeper dimension of God. It's the kind of prayer that must be a pouring out of the heart to God. And it must flow from a faith that is unfeigned. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know. He says, I have plans for you, but we don't read 12 and 13. If we'll read 12 and 13, it'll make even more of an impact because verse 12 of 29, of Jeremiah 29 says, then after, after uh, you realize that I have a plan, you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you. And then in verse 13, he says, you will seek me and find me. What's interesting is that word find there means to be encountered. There's a lot of people that will say, oh, yes, there's a God. But this isn't talking about that. You see, what he's talking about here is he's talking about coming to a place and seeking God so deeply and passionately that you don't just find him. You experience and encounter his goodness. You encounter his mercy. You encounter his power. You encounter his glory. That's the kind of prayer because he says, you will seek and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We know the commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart. But what about seeking him with all of my heart? 
When's the last time? And I asked this question last week. When is the last time that you poured yourself out at an altar of prayer? When was the last time that you laid on your face and you poured yourself and you poured your heart out to God? When was the last time you did that? Oh, that's not necessary. Well, I believe it is. If we truly want to see God move and change the circumstances of our life, it takes fervency. It takes passionate prayer. It takes us getting alone with him and pouring everything out and emptying ourselves and, and, and pouring and giving him and releasing all of the things that we have in our life. That type of prayer accomplishes a whole lot in your life. Because this type of prayer ushers us into a deeper dimension of God. Because prayer is the first key to unlock the door to God's dream for your life and His church. You know why? Well, let me, I'm going to give you some examples here. We read James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. And the last thing we read in verse 16 was that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, then James, in his writing, gave us an example to back up what he had just said. And the example is Elijah. And in verse 17, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like yours. Did you know Elijah was like us? Like, uh, pff, I ain't never prayed fire down from heaven. But no, he says, he was as weak as you are. He was as frail as you are. He was as imperfect as you are. He was, a, he was somebody that had sin in his life just like we do. And he dealt with temptation. And he dealt with things. And, and life threw uh, curveballs at him. And he, he, he messed up sometimes. And he tripped up. That's what he's talking about. He, he's not talking about perfection. He's talking about Elijah being just the same nature, the same sinful nature that we have. Fighting the same things that we fight. He said he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three and a half years, it didn't rain a drop, not in Canaan, in the whole earth. You don't think your prayers are powerful? You don't think he honors somebody that's imperfect but willing to pour their heart out to him? That tells us otherwise. And then he prayed again, verse 18. He said, then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. God moved with authority over nature on behalf of Elijah due to the passionate fervency of his prayer. God responded to a man's prayer who had just fell prey to fear. He prayed fire down from heaven. I talked about it last week. Doug talked about it Wednesday night, and I'm talking about it today. So you should get the story of Elijah down packed <laughs> if you were here for all three services. This man that prayed fire down from heaven, and then after he prays fire down from heaven, and he slew or, or uh, converted 440 prophets of Baal. And he made a fool out of Ahab. 
And because he made a fool out of Ahab, Ahab's wife said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And Elijah said, oh, snap. And he ran for his life from a woman. Now, there's some wisdom to that. Because a woman scorned, I don't know. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) But he runs for his life. And he crawls up under a juniper tree and prays, God, kill me. Why? Because he had a nature just like ours. How many times has God done something great in our life and just a few days later we're somewhere having a pity party. We're somewhere going, oh, God, kill me. Oh, God, I can't do this no more. Oh, God. We're frail. Our spirit is frail. Our bodies are frail. Our minds are frail. But you see, God made us that way. That's not a, that's, that, that, that's not a creative malfunction in your body. That's just who we are. That's there to help us realize that I need God. I can't make it without him. I must have him in my life. So why did God respond to Elijah's prayer? Because God never said the prayers of a perfect man avail much. He said the prayer of somebody who's trying to do right. He says, I'll respond to the fervency of that prayer. And I'll respond and I'll release my authority and I'll release my power in a way that will change their circumstance. It'll change their environment. When they pour their heart out to me with passion and desire, he says, I will alter everything around them. And so this is the question, does your heart long for him? Because this is a matter of the heart. That's what this is. This is a matter of the heart. Does your soul long to be in his presence? What what do you treasure? What do you treasure? Because the Bible tells me that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so whatever you treasure, your heart will beat after that. Your heart will passion after that. Your heart will strive for that. Your heart will seek that. And and the problem with this is we start, we get into this idea of prayer, and in our prayer we start asking God why. And, and we start asking God, God, why haven't you healed me? And God, why haven't you changed this circumstance? And why haven't you done this? And why haven't you done that? And the whole time we're asking why he hasn't done this, he's asking us when. When will you give your whole heart to me? When will you seek me in a way that moves me from heaven? When will you pour your heart out and empty yourself? When will you humble yourself and pray and seek my face so I can heal your body and heal your land? And we walk around with wounds and we walk around around with hurts and we wonder, God, why haven't you healed my wound? And God's saying, when you will release it to me.
Because I can't hold on to him if I'm holding on to everything else. And I will hold on to what I treasure most. You will hold on to what you treasure most. If it's your job, then your heart will be passionate after. And you cannot split your heart to serve and be passionate and seek after a job or a career or money or things or possessions or or whatever it may be and do the same with God. We can't serve two masters. And so we... We've got to have an outpouring. And that's why I've, I, last week I said, the, the reason I invite you up here, the reason I invite you here is to make this an altar, to make this a place where you can seek the face of God, where you can come and you can empty yourself. That's why he said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, your answer may be waiting on when you are willing to humble yourself. Your answer may be waiting on when you're willing to pray and seek the face of God. When was the last time? You truly poured your heart out and became completely vulnerable in his presence. When was the last time you found a place of prayer and you prayed so long that time didn't matter anymore and you got into his presence in such a way that his glory began to fall in that room and it changed the environment and it changed the atmosphere and things began to alter and things began to move. When was the last time that you truly poured your heart out? Because the outpouring of a heart during prayer is the key that opens the door to his power. We're told of another story. This took place in Genesis, Genesis chapter 32. In verse 24. And the Bible tells us that Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, what we've got to realize is how we tell this story. Jacob didn't wrestle with a man. Jacob didn't initiate this. This was God-initiated. God, in the form of humanity, we'll just call him an angel of God for this purpose, shows up and grabs a hold of Jacob and starts wrestling with him. Jacob's asleep, and he's sitting there, and, and, and this, this angel shows up and grabs a hold of him, and they start wrestling, and they start tussling, and they start, and this angel thinks he's going to get a, you know, get the best of Jacob, but Jacob's a man's man, and, and he's like, huh? And so he starts, he starts wrestling uh, back with him. You see, there's a progression that happens sometimes. Sometimes there will, you will go to prayer out of necessity. Amen. This angel showed up and grabbed a hold of Jacob out of necessity because Jacob had some things all messed up in his life. The name Jacob means deceiver. That's the first messed up thing. 
Don't call your kid Jacob. You already have, well, uh, too late. <laughs> Jacob was a deceiver. He was prideful. He had self-reliance issues. He thought he could handle everything himself. And he had uh, other issues. He had things that, that God desired to take out of his life. And so God showed up and grabbed a hold of him and started wrestling with him. But there was a progression that took place. He goes from not wanting this, and then this angel touches the hollow of his thigh. And makes his hip go out of joint. And in that moment, Jacob realized there's something different about this encounter. There's something powerful here. And Jacob turned from the one on the defense to the one on the offense. And he, he was trying to get away, but then when that angel touched him and he felt a change in the atmosphere, Jacob grabbed a hold of that angel, and that angel said, hey, hey, you got to let me go. And, they, and Jacob said, no, 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 I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And so this is the thought, and this is what God spoke to me, and this is what I want to tell you. You may go to him in prayer out of necessity. But while you're in prayer, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be, if you'll stay there long enough, there's going to be a shift. And there's going to be a, a change in the environment and a change in the atmosphere that's going to take place. And in that moment, you have a decision to make. Am I going to continue to hold on of to who I am, or am I going to release all those things and I'm going to grab a hold of what God's trying to do in my life in this moment? Because Jacob had that choice. He could have held on to being a deceiver. He could have held on to being self-reliant. He could have held on to being who he was before. But Jacob realized, no, 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 this is a life-altering moment here. And so he released all of those things, and he said, I'm going to grab a hold of what God's trying to do in my life right here. And he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And how did that blessing come out? He had an identity change in his life. He went being from being the deceiver to being the receiver of a promise that God gave to his father and his grandfather. You see, there comes a time in prayer that we have to let go of the wounds so he can be the healer. I'm going to say that again. There comes a time in prayer that we have to let go of the hurts, we have to let go of the pain, we have to let go of the offense, and we have to let go of the words and the actions that wounded us, that hurt us from people, from churches, from whoever it may have been. We've got to let go of those things so that we can grab a hold of the healing and the mending that God wants to do in our life. As long as I'm holding on to the hurt, I can't grab a hold of the healer. As long as I'm holding on to the person that wounded me. I can't grab a hold of my Savior. And there comes a point in prayer where we have to release who we were. Well, this is my past. Well, if you'll just release your past and who you were, that's not who God says you are. Who God says you are fulfills God's purpose for your life. 
who God says you are. You see, Jacob was a deceiver, but Israel, Israel was something altogether. And when God gave Jacob that name change, he said, no longer will you be known for who you were. But now when people talk about you, they're going to talk about you with the utmost reverence because I'm going to elevate you. But see, the only way to get elevated is to humble myself. The only way for God to elevate me is to bow my face before him in prayer. The only way up is down. I cannot elevate myself in his presence. Because nothing and no one will receive glory in his presence. But if we will, if we will. God will bring about a life-changing moment because you see what took place there where that wrestling match took place. Jacob gets up and he says, you know what? This place is going to be named Peniel. And the reason he named it Peniel was he said, because this is where I saw God face Feel this presence all over this place. I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> You've been asking God why. And God's asking you when. When will you pour yourself out to me? When will you empty yourself of all your pride? And your ego. When will you become completely available? When will you let go of those past hurts? When will you let go of what you were victimized in? And when will you grab a hold of what I'm trying to do in your life? When will you let go of your past mistakes and grab a hold of my forgiveness? When will you release those things to me so I can be everything you need me? to be because as long as you hold on to all of those things I can never make you who I've dreamed you to be God has changed the atmosphere in some of your lives Berta dealt with cancer. Not too long ago, there was a, some tests they were going to run. And before that test got run, there was this powerful thing called fear that kicked the door open to their house and walked in. Miguel and Berta, I want you to come here. But you see, they had a Jacob moment. Miguel, I want you to come up here with her. They had a they had a a penile moment. And when fear gripped this family, and gripped her mind. Come here. 
I know this lady. And she hit her face in prayer. She hit her knees in prayer. And she didn't pray just this, oh, God, I need you to heal me. Oh, God, I need you to touch me. No, no, no. She poured everything out. And I know this man, Miguel. And I know he's a praying man. And he sought God in a, in a, in, on a level that maybe he's never sought God before. Because, you see, when fear moves in, fear is what made Elijah want to die. Fear will change the environment of your life. But as they hit their face in God and poured themselves out, there was a moment where they said, you let go of what the doctors say might be. And you just grab a hold of me. And you hold on to me. And don't ever let go. Don't you ever let go. And they began to hold on to God. And as they began to hold on to God, God began to move. And God began to operate. And God began to, to heal. And they went to that test. And they tested her. And it came back a complete clean bill of health. You know why? Because God is our healer. If we can just let go of the fear and grab a hold of what God wants to do in our life. Stand with me. I want Julie to come here. Yes. In this court case with Greg and Julie, it has been a whirlwind of things that has gone on. You guys stay up here. I want you to stay up here, but you can go ahead and pray. What took place was the enemy thought he could squash all of this. The enemy thought he could mess them up so bad that he would ruin their reputation and he would begin to speak accusations because he's an accuser of the brethren. I'm just giving you some real life evidence. We know what the scripture says. But I'm just giving you some real life things that what prayer does, what fervent, passionate prayer does. And so there was accusations brought against Julie that she was doing this and she was doing that, and it was going to mess up the whole case. So we prayed, and this family prayed. Greg and Julie hit their knees and hit their face in prayer and began to seek God with all their heart, and they began to pour themselves out to Him in a way that maybe they've never done. And just this week, Greg calls me. Come up here, Greg. Greg calls me, leaves a voicemail. He says, Pastor, I want to tell you, every accusation, every accusation that was spoken against her, God said, it's gone. Everything was dropped. Everything disappeared. You know why? Because there is a dimension of prayer that activates his power like nothing else. And instead of asking God, why is this happening? We release it. And we say, God, I'm going to grab a hold of you. And I'm going to hold on. And, and Julie and Greg have held on. Even when they don't 
They didn't see what they wanted to see. They held on. And even when the answers weren't coming, they held on. And it's not over. This is just the beginning of what God's going to do. That was just their first little penile moment where God revealed himself face to face. And that's just two instances. But I wonder today, I wonder, with your eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody in this house that's ready to answer God's win. I wonder if there's anybody in this house that would like to have a penile moment at the front of this building today. And you would like to come and find and seek Him and pour your heart out to Him. And you'd be willing, you'd be willing to just come before Him and seek His face so that He could reveal Himself to you here today. If you're willing to answer God's win and you're willing to have a moment of penial in this place today, I invite you to step out from where you stand and where you sit and make your way up and find a place to kneel and find a place to bow your face and bow your life and seek Him. Humble yourself and pray and seek His face. And watch God do what only God can do here in this house. Come on, that's it. Come on. If you're willing, if you're willing, if you're willing. In this moment, God can change the environment. But you have to be willing You have to be willing to step out and release what you were so that God can make you who He wants you to be. Hallelujah. Lord, right here, right now. Right here, right now. 